Hello, and welcome to the AfterSpark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 Transformers cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today we're going to be talking about episode number 61, Crimzeek. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Why shall we? <laughs> and, and electric babies? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and Blaster having unfortunate things happen inside his tape deck. You're not wrong. Also, just want to apologize uh, if you had listened to the last episode. The sound quality was not great. Uh, evidently, I sent it to the wrong mic. Uh, so I'm really, really sorry about that. Sorry, guys. <laughs> that was all me. <laughs> anyway, for our actual episode, uh, today we open with Megatron doing something with electricity. Oh boy, when does he not do something with electricity? Um, I mean, they're made of electricity, kind of, but he, he's doing experiments with electricity. <laughs> yeah, Starscream walks in and whines, wondering about whether Megatron is done yet. Evidently, this distracts Megatron enough he accidentally creates life. Oh, so many human scientists nowadays would be so envious. <laughs> Said life, uh, jumps up, says his name like a Pokemon, and then starts eating the computer. <laughs> and here we have our eponymous Crimzeek. Crimzeek! <laughs> so we cut to Soundwave uh, radioing, presumably like throughout the Decepticon base, about a systems malfunction. And then he's haunted by poorly drawn Megatron on his view screen. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh no, you... Poor Soundwave probably had to clean this shit up. You know, like, whatever Crimson got done eating the computer. And probably the Constructicons and the cassettes drafted into this. Because the cassettes, so someone's got to go in there. <laughs> and they're tiny. Someone's got to go into that computer console. You know, Megatron ain't doing it. <laughs> no. So Megatron is fascinated by the little electric menace that he's created and proclaims him to be the... Greatest weapon against the Autobots. So, if Megatron trips over a random rock, would uh, that suddenly become the greatest weapon ever? I mean, could we even argue with him when a hill nearly took Optimus out in, like, the first couple of episodes? That's true, though. I mean, Starscream would obviously come in here being like, Megatron has fallen. I, Starscream, the Decepticon. You're right. And then he'd throw the rock at the Autobots. <laughs> or would Megatron just pick up the rock and throw it at Starscream? World War Three fought with rocks rather than, you know, guns. Megatron promptly traps Crimzeek in a convenient Crimzeek proof box. Crimzeek just tops in of his own accord, so I guess if, if I fits, I sits. He's very like a cat in, in this regard. <laughs> Megatron calls this box a circuit trap, whatever the hell that is. Is this the Cybertronian equivalent of a mouse trap? Do they normally deal with these things or something similar? No clue, but it clearly existed for some purpose and was happily just crimson proof ish. <laughs> well, it lasted long enough for uh, s subsequent events. Megatron jets off in thrust with Crimzeek in tow. And I just have to ask, did Megatron not want to fly today or something? I think he just wanted to be chauffeured. <laughs> that tracks. And I mean, maybe he would, I don't know, be less suspicious as a plane-shaped radar object than a Megatron-shaped one. That's fair. So Thrust dives and gets close to the arc, and you just see the circuit trap fly through the air and land in the arc. 
I have to ask, did Megatron just crack open a window and chuck Rosie out the window? Or just toss him through the bot through one of the bottom hatches that or like, the something? seekers yeah. dumps like people through that one time? <laughs> I mean it's a flyby abandonment happening here, guys. And this uh, it's called not taking care of your monster. Much like our old friend Frankenstein, Megatron has waived all parental rights and is making Crimson everyone else's problem. The concept of Megatron wanting to parent something is honestly <laughs> just kind of terrifying. <laughs> uh, so Teletron 1 uh, detects an intruder just as Kremzeek escapes from his confinement because, like, we see the box, like, trembling and jumping around and, like, bad things are happening inside this box. <laughs> Kremzeek then jumps into a security camera and comes out of Teletrans' view screen. Kremzeek just, you know, blasts past a very confused Optimus and out into a hallway, bypassing Smokescreen, Hoist, Jazz, and Sparkplug. Hey, it's been a while since we've seen Sparkplug. Maybe he's just been spending all of his time in New York lately. He's, he's, he's a busy dude. He's the most interesting dude in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how maybe he's been in D.C. liaising with the government. So Jazz then channels someone else for a line or two. We're guessing it might have, we, we think it was Sparkplug's voice actor, but we have no idea why Sparkplug was saying this line, because it was something to the effect of, yeah, let him try to get away from this as Jazz is shooting at Crimzeek, and it makes no sense the <laughs> if fact, that was Sparkplug. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the fact that any of the giant robots think shooting at the electric thingy is going to work, I mean, I guess when all of your... When all your solutions are guns, all your problems start to look like nails, I suppose. I mean, Crimson behaves very strangely, so I, I this is not even the weirdest reaction we see. That's true, but I feel like we would have gotten a smarter reactions from either Wheeljack or Perceptor. True. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so Crimson hops on into Jazz and then Hoist. Making them do weird, wacky things, and then shocking them both into unconsciousness. Sparkplug then catches Crimson with his bare freaking hands and is completely unharmed for reasons we cannot explain. Somehow humans are completely grounded to Crimson. Evidently. I, I don't know. So Smokescreen then attempts to keep Crimson back by fending him off with a wooden table. Like an animal tamer. It's... Weird. <laughs> New Cybertronian pastime, Kremzeek taming. Unfortunately for Smokescreen, Kremzeek just makes a hole in the table and goes through and hops right on into Smokescreen. Smokescreen also makes some weird-ass poses here, guys. <laughs> Honestly, it's worth it just to watch for... Weird poses. Well, the Autobots getting body-snatched, kind of. <laughs> So, Smokescreen actually lasts the longest and doesn't go down initially, quite like how everybody else just got shocked and then kind of zonks out. Um, so he starts running and driving in circles while constantly swapping between bot and car mode. I don't know why or how this helped, but it evidently did, because he lasts for quite a while doing it. He was also, like, spewing smoke- his, um- His smoke, yeah. His eponymous smokescreen. And then Ratchet enters the room, flanked by- Jazz, sir, here again. Huffer and Beachcomber. Did Jazz get up and get some help, or did someone forget what robots were in an earlier scene? It's the latter, probably. Or did someone get miscolored? <laughs> well, I'm confused, because Jazz is not usually one of the ones that gets miscolored? Or confused? That's true, but I mean, I don't know, it was the 80s. <laughs> Who knows how much these poor animators were paid? 
and how much time they had. And then Kremzik moves on to all these new people, <laughs> hopping into Ratchet, who spins briefly around like a tornado before falling to the floor. Sparkplug catches up with Optimus and sprays him down with some kind of insulating compound. It's, it's a foam thing. There are many things I could say about this, but I'm just going to skip them. Sparkplug's instincts are right on the mark here as Kremzik repeatedly tries to go into Optimus's chest and then bounces right on off. Kremzik, his abs of steel are immune to you. <laughs> Kremzik escapes, but Optimus and Sparkplug prioritize spraying the other Autobots down with the insulation compound. And then sometime later, Optimus tells B, Inferno, and Blaster that they are the only ones left who can catch Kremzik. And I'm like, Kremzik got the rest of the arc? Damn! I mean, maybe everyone else is out on assignment and there's only a skeleton crew? Or Even so. <laughs> I mean, how many people could be out doing liaising or, I don't know, public relations? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wonder if the... If Sunstreaker would be happy or annoyed to be at, like, some sort of public event with school children climbing all over him when he could have been here, having Kremzik jump into him and ruined his finish by driving him into a wall. Yeah, that would have been probably more concerning for him. So, the remaining Autobots split into group, Inferno and B finding Kremzik fucking around in some kind of machine. We have no idea what this machine is, nor where the hell they are in the arc. There's so many things that could be happening here, in so many places they could be. So many questions are begged here, and we get no answers. And then Kremzik escapes as Inferno and B are joined by the others, and they all reach the conclusion that Kremzik has gone after Teletran 1. Reaching Teletran 1, um, Optimus orders the group to shut it down. Why didn't they have the foresight to do this earlier? Why did they not shut Teletran 1 down? You'd think if it came through Teletran 1 in the first place, this would have been an obvious conclusion. The only thing I can think is that Teletran runs the majority of the base, and maybe they were afraid if they just completely shut Teletran 1 down, nothing would work. Maybe, I mean, maybe Teletran 1 was radioing them where the issues were happening. That's also possible. Ah, <sighs> but yeah, Teletran 1 is not having a good day today, and there is definitely some nonsense being spouted all across the international <laughs> airwaves. <laughs> Evidently. Alert! Alert! Evil Martian Falangos have invaded supermarkets across the planet. They have come to steal Earth's ammonia. Teletran is evidently sending this out as a transmission, confusing some extremely poor military dudes, presumably in other countries, who are listening in, and they specifically call out that this is the Autobot frequency that this is happening on. Speaking of different countries, uh, Crimson follows this transmission and ends up in Japan. The Transformers are returning home. Specs, the planet is healing. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Maybe, uh, maybe philosophically and metaphorically, yes. I don't think. I don't think the Japanese populace are ready for this, though. No, no, no one is ready for giant robots. So the Autobots head to Japan, courtesy of Omega Supreme, who somehow was not included 
in their count of the Autobots not affected by Kremzeek. I uh, suspect it's because, as we previously established, Omega Supreme roams the woods of the Pacific Northwest, <laughs> much like Bigfoot, and does not live in the Ark. That's true. <laughs> or at least I am convinced of that. Um, and it seems like a bit of a waste to take a whole-ass rocket to get to a different part of the same freaking planet, but hey, it's the 80s and we don't care about emissions, so... Well, I mean, how else were they going to get there? Were they going to water ski? I mean, they've done it before. <laughs> yes, but I mean, time considerations. And it's not like... Well, I mean, they could have potentially contacted the aerial bots if they were out someplace else. No clue. <sighs> Sparkplug remains behind at the Ark and attempts to get any of the other Autobots back up and running, which is a sound strategy. It is, actually. At the Decepticon base, Soundwave reports that transmissions have ceased from the Ark, and Megatron refers to Kremzeek as my little Kremzeek. So yeah, presumably Teletran 1 was turned off at some point, and unfortunately Megatron is parent-coded here. I still stand by better him than Bayverse Megatron, but only by the barest of margins. Ugh. One lone confused Japanese fisherman witnesses the Autobots touching down in Omega Supreme. Crimzeek pops out of the sand and attempts to hop into Optimus again, but still bounces off of him. Out of all of the places in Japan that Crimzeek could be, were they following his signal to get to exactly where he was, or how did they end up in the same location? The only thing I can think is that they had tracked the transmission somehow before shutting Teletran down, and then went to that location and Crimzeek just hadn't gone very far. I guess, but it's just... What would he have come out of near here? Well, we see him come out of a what I think is a military base mm. um, nearby. So I think sense. that's what's going on. That makes sense. So yeah, Kremzeek tries to hijack everyone else, all of the other giant robots that are there, with similar results until the the other shoe drops and... Optimus realizes that Omega Supreme did not get sprayed with the insulation and stuff like they did, and Crimson cops on into him, causing Omega to crash into the sand, nose cone first. Well, okay, so Optimus tells Omega Supreme to skedaddle, to run, <laughs> after this realization, and he attempts it, but Crimson was faster. <laughs> And the Autobots really didn't think any of this through. No, no, they did not. Let's face it, all their smart guys are knocked out or not whole. Percy? Nope. Beetlejack? Nope. Ratchet? Knocked out. Chip? Nope. Hell, even Prowl would have at least had a plan. No one here is a good candidate for this. Yeah. Kremzik spies his next tasty meal, the great Japanese railway system. And most importantly, they're electric trains. Optimus transforms into truck mode and takes off after the train, with the other three grabbing onto him for the ride, and they're riding on the tracks, I think, at this point. Which, um, I think they would be dead if one of the, like, super fast Japanese trains were on the track behind them, but okay. Well, I mean, presumably there is some leg room between the trains, and they're just, they're following right behind one train. Which begs the question of even how they're possibly keep that i'm not sure if i think they could keep up with it but okay well they're giant robots i think we can assume they can probably go a hundred and something miles an hour probably blaster asked the intelligent question of what are we gonna do when we catch him it's a good question guys it, it's the only good question right now i think mm -hmm. and uh optimus's reply to this is we'll worry about that when we catch him See, that's the kind of thinking that got you into this mess, Optimus. The train is having a very bad day, as is the conductor. 
who is trying to smash Kremzeek with his bare hands with no luck. Kremzeek, once the train, I think, comes to a stop or comes to a station, hops off the train and into some random passerby's Walkman. He just wants those tunes, man. <laughs> Said passerby uh, throws his Walkman and headphones off when it starts sparking because this man is smart and he knows that this is a bad deal. <laughs> and then the Walkman explodes. The Autobots follow Crimzeek as he runs off again and gets into an arcade. And then, far more concerningly, an electronics factory, where things are, you know, being made with other machines. And Crimzeek is having a grand old time here. Crimzeek in an automated factory sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> ah, and then the Autobots meet up with the guy in charge of the factory, one Dr. Soji Yoshikawa. He suggests using radio waves in an attempt to stop Crimzeek. Sounds like a solid plan. Well, and one they haven't attempted yet, so yeah. why not? Blaster transforms and starts transmitting radio waves. Uh, then he allows Crimzeek to hop into his tape deck. He is fine for some reason? Like, did they spray down his cassette deck too? Because if so, good thinking, I guess? Maybe? It turns out to be not such good thinking, as Blaster attempts to fry Kremzeek with his own power. <laughs> Yoshikawa tells them that'll only feed Kremzeek and make him stronger, so, you know, maybe not do that. Well, at first he's like, good plan, and then he's like, no, bad plan. <laughs> How he knows this is a mystery to everyone, including the writers. And then a rainbow horde of Kremzeeks pop out of Blaster. <laughs> Everyone is just so shittily drawn today, man. Yeah, we haven't been commenting on it, but, like, there were just various points where, like, I paused the screen and I'm like, what the hell is happening here? And, uh, yeah, this it, it, this is not a good-looking episode. <laughs> it's not. <sighs> the Kremzeeks scatter throughout Tokyo, wrecking havoc in their wake. And then Yoshikawa has a suggestion to get the Kremzeeks to recombine, and Optimus tells him to point them at the nearest power tower. Not even letting the guy climb into his cab before he starts driving off, by the way. Instead, the poor dog is hanging on the side of Optimus's truck mode. Optimus just doesn't want anyone to have any comfort today, apparently. No. So the Decepticons then put their actual plan into motion, utilizing an energy magnet to steal power from some passing Navy ships. Based on this, I'm going to assume that Kremzeek was somehow a happy accident and not Megatron's actual plan. It certainly has served to, to distract the Autobots while they were carrying this plan out, though I am legitimately still not sure if we're supposed to assume it was an accident or if it was purposeful. <laughs> like, I still don't know. Yep. Back in Tokyo, the Autobots set up a trap for the Kremzeeks. To which the Kremzeeks happily head their way and get trapped in the metal cage the Autobots created. They all recombine into a super big Kremzeek and I guess break out and go on another rampage. <laughs> Inferno tries to blast him with fire-retardant foam, but to no avail. The Decepticons activate their energy magnet on a wider range and start to steal energy from Tokyo and presumably other cities within their, um... Range? Yeah, range. And then the Autobots, who begin weakening. The Autobots get the grand idea to make Crimson Megatron's problem by beaming him to the Decepticon signal using a nearby radio tower. This works, and Crimson arrives in the tower that houses the Decepticon energy magnet, promptly wrecking it, and presumably eating all of the energy that the Decepticons had been siphoning from everywhere else. The cons flee, um, but when the Autobots arrive at the remains of the tower via a ship, they blast uh, Crimson to smithereens. Bellaby is 
not down for doing this. He's rather sad about it. He's like, but he's kind of cute. And Optimus is like, no. <laughs> no, Bumblebee, you cannot get a pet. And then one final Crimzeek, who has been hiding in Blaster this entire time, hops out and leads the Autobots on a merry chase. Because presumably they have gone back to land at this point. But, and oh. yeah, merry chase is our episode ends. <laughs> So join us next time for Starscream's Brigade, where Starscream decides to make his own combiner team with Blackjack and hookers. Wait. And a tank and a space shuttle and other World War II machinery and also a sprinkling of political prisoners. And this is after Starscream gets kicked out. <laughs> yeah, Starscream, Starscream done messed up. <laughs> yep. All right. We have two fanfic recommendations for today, which have been... So generously provided by Owls. So the first is To Come to Daylight by Anonymous. It's in the IDW continuity rated T. It is slash fic. Uh, our pairings here are implied Solomus, Epistemus, implied Primus Mortalus, implied pre-war Primus Adaptus. And there's slashes between each of those names, guys, okay? I'm just not used to actually pronouncing them. Uh, so our characters here are Rung, Primus, Adaptus, Mortalus, Sensier, Tyrest, Solomus, and Epistemus. So, in summary, the origins of the species is five mechs living together in a tiny building on Primal Cybertron, trying not to kill each other while harvesting the cabbage patch of babies outside their doorstep. Our character theme wreck here is the creation of life. Because Megatron definitely fucking did that. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I might as well. <laughs> yep. And it's a one-shot. And if this is the one I'm thinking of, it's pretty good. It, it, I'm pretty sure it is. Like, I feel like this is one you probably read. Our second recommendation is Lights by Squire of Geekdom, and it's all one word there. It's also an IDW continuity, rated G, Gen, there's no pairing, so not applicable. And our characters here are Rung and Sensier. And in summary... For a Tumblr fluff prompt, Rung and Sincere discovering something for the first time. Sunsets, rainbows, how awesome hugs are, something small and good. Rung and Sincere and the first sunset witnessed on Cybertron. And it's a wildcard fic. And it's a one-shot. And honestly, it just sounds very cute and sweet. Because I like both of these characters. I pretty much only put it here because the other one focused on the, um... Something five. <laughs> Anyway, it focused on the hand. group. No, the guiding hand. Yeah, so it already focused on the guiding hand, so this was the only other fic I had with my wild cards that focused on the guiding hand, so that's why I shoved it in there. It doesn't really have much to do with anything else. All right, we have fan art rec here. Courtesy of Owls, please take it away. All right, our fan art recommendation for today is Onion Packs, which is a fantastic name. It is. Um, their Tumblr is deformed-car. Um, so it's not called Onion Packs, but I think that's what they're calling themselves. Um, they seem to do a variety. And my personal favorite is that they have this absolutely lovely fan redesign of, or design because he didn't exist, of Transformers Prime Ravage. And I really wish he existed as a toy because I think he's lovely. Ooh. Like, I like it. beautiful. He matches uh, Soundwave's Soundwave. aesthetic super yes. well. Yes. And I would love a toy based on this, personally. Yes. He, he calls back to Soundwave very well. It keeps the color scheme. But he also feels very ravage. Then... <laughs> yeah, wait. <laughs> yeah, so... So, um... I don't know. I'm going to tell you guys a little story. I don't know if growing 
up, you saw these horrific looking like popsicles that were supposed to be character shaped. And I remember specifically we had Pikachu ones, okay? They did not look, they looked like Pikachu, if Pikachu had been like smashed like a pancake or something, it was not good. But anyway, I just need you to know. Hey, they still release things like this, and I think this might be candy, not 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 ice cream, but it's a ring pop <laughs> that is shaped like Optimus Prime from Transformers Prime, and it looks like an abomination. It's shaped like his head. <laughs> so what this person did is they made a comic of Transformers Prime Megatron seeing <laughs> that face in his nightmare and waking up like, oh my god. Anyway, it's extremely funny. He's standing behind Optimus. He looks like regular Optimus from the back. And then his head just turns all the way around like a horror movie monster. And then he wakes up. like, oh my heart, my spark. No. I would definitely be terrified to see this as well. And our other one is just some uh, Cyclonus uh, tailgate art that I thought was cute. but It's very cute. Very chibi. Also, like not really included, but I really like their icon, which is just an onion of Orion Pax. It's very funny. It's Optimus Prime's head, or Orion Pax's head as an onion. Yeah, pretty much. Made it's great. It's adorable. Onion. There is the... The onion top coming out of the top of his head. It's it's cute little green sprouts. <laughs> oh, they and they didn't seem to have any other uh, social media that I could find. Just Tumblr. So mm. we'll, we'll be linking to that. Yep. Okay, and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark-Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSparkPod, all one word, and various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. And I'm Else. Toodles! Um, but yeah, that I used this one. It, it evidently is a is that pigeon romance game reference, and I don't get it. I absolutely hate how this thing looks. Oh yeah, because <laughs> I'm like, no, I know. I, I mean, there's definitely a fish that has a head like that, but I don't want it in my in my team. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, no, no. <laughs>